This week, the indigenous campaign in the United States to stop the import of hydropower produced on Inu land in Labrador. I'm Glenn Wheeler, and this is Mi'kmaq Matters, a podcast about Mi'kmaq people, politics, land, and water. This is episode 181. Thanks for your support via patreon.com and email transfer, mi'kmaq.matters at gmail.com. A few weeks ago, in episode 175, we told you about the 50-year struggle by Indigenous people in Labrador and Quebec to get compensation for the destruction of traditional lands caused by hydro development. Among our guests was Etienne Rich, Grand Chief of the Inu Nation in Labrador. He told us how the dam built for the Church of Falls development flooded the ancestral lands of the Inu people, and how Hydro-Quebec has slammed the door on attempts to get compensation. Inu have lost a lot on, on, the, on that project. project destroyed the Inu way of life in the area where, 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 the, where the dam was built. Like, for example, like the major, the, the major of the project of Smallwood Reservoir, which is Michigamel, I call it, uh, it covers about it covers about uh, an area over 6,500 square kilometers, mm. and contain the water divert from the Mississippi River, which is uh, they call it Churchill River, and that's reservoir south of Delaware. Like I said, it's very, really big flood. Mm. And the other thing is the um, like the most important things as well in, in our in our culture like the before the reservoir was created, created by flooding, and the area was gathered by our ancestors and that kind of stuff, this area was a, a gathering place for the Inu from across the Quebec and Labrador Peninsula. Etienne Rich, Grand Chief of the Inu in Labrador. Of course, it's Hydro-Quebec that gets most of the financial benefit from hydropower produced at Churchill Falls. Now, Hydro-Quebec wants to sell some of that power to the state of Massachusetts. But to do that, the utility will have to build a power line through one of the last remaining wilderness areas in the state of Maine before connecting to an existing right-of-way. The new line is called the New England Clean Energy Connect. The project has unleashed a major campaign of resistance by Indigenous people and environmentalists. There are multiple lawsuits and a referendum planned for November. In part, the land defenders are trying to save the precious North Woods and the creatures who live there from devastation caused by a hydro corridor. But they're also bringing attention to the impact of hydropower on the lives of Inu and other indigenous people in Labrador and Quebec. We have two guests this week. Later, we'll be hearing from Becky Bardovics of Sierra Club, Maine, which is one of the leaders in the legal fight. But first, John Banks, Director of Natural Resources for the Penobscot Nation, one of the tribes along with the Mi'kmaq in Maine, who take part in a grouping they still call the Wabanaki Confederacy. 
As John Banks told me, the Penobscot have had their own fights with the damming of the rivers. Let me uh, ask you first uh, to tell our listeners uh, a little bit about the Penobscot Nation in Maine uh, for people who might not be familiar with the community. Sure, and thanks for having me on today, Glenn. I appreciate it. Appreciate mm-hmm. the opportunity. Yeah, the Penobscot Nation is one of the four uh, Wabanaki tribes in Maine, and it is uh, centered, our tribe is centered on the Penobscot River watershed, which is the largest watershed uh, in the state of Maine. So yeah, we have about uh, 2,500 tribal citizens on our census rolls. And um, we're very much a riverine cultured tribe. Uh, You know, the Penobscot watershed provided uh, all of the means of survival for my tribe for thousands of years. It was, you know, the highways provided the highways to get to where we needed to get to gather all of the materials for food and shelter and medicines and carrying on commerce with neighboring uh, tribes. So yeah, we uh, feel very close to the Penobscot River watershed. And um, unfortunately, within the past three or 400 years, there's been uh, some in more industrial uses of the watershed uh, with the colonization and then the industrial revolution. Uh, our river, our watershed, our lifeblood was dammed, uh, polluted, and pretty much trashed ecologically uh, to the point where tribal members would literally get sick uh, from eating fish from the river uh, as their ancestors have for thousands of years. But recently we've had some successes in improving the ecological conditions. Um, As we sit today, there are no paper mills discharging into our reservation waters. And we've also had some successes recently in addressing the uh, massive hydro development that's occurred uh, throughout the watershed. So uh, there was a project uh, called the Penobscot River Restoration Project, where the tribe partnered with uh, six conservation groups and uh, negotiated uh, an agreement with the power company to purchase three of their dams and actually remove two of them, those two being the two lowermost dams in the system, two of the three dams between our reservation and the Atlantic Ocean. And then uh, the third dam that the, uh, the group bought was uh, in Howland at the mouth of the Piscataquis sub-drainage. Uh, and we decommissioned that dam and built a nature-like fish bypass channel uh, around that dam, which after th- uh, several years of operation seems to be working quite well in terms of its ability to pass fish. So the goal of the Penobscot River Restoration Project was to restore uh, 11 species of migratory fish uh, back to their spawning areas and back to the reservation waters of the Penobscot Indian Nation uh, so that our tribal members can once again uh, practice their um, 
traditional and cultural activities um, related to sustenance fishing practices. Mm. It's always good to have some some good news, but um, in the middle of all this, you're now in a struggle uh, with um, with Hydro Quebec uh, regarding a power line that will bring power produced in Labrador on the territory of the Inu and power produced in Quebec on other indigenous territory down through Quebec, across the Quebec border and into Maine. Uh, and the plan is to uh, bring it across Maine into Massachusetts. And uh, I think many people in Canada will not know how big an issue uh, this is in Maine. But tell us uh, how the route of this proposed uh, power line impacts on, um, on Penobscot uh, people. Well, I think it impacts our, our tribe as well as uh, other tribes in the area, Passamaquoddy perhaps, um, uh, just by its ecological impact uh, on the, the whole region. Um, it's, you know, it's deemed to cut through some of the best um, fish and wildlife habitat uh, that's left in the state of Maine. This is the area known as the Northwoods. Yes, it is. It, yeah. And it's... Um, Tell us about you know, the Northwoods, because that's, uh, as you say, that's a very special, that's very special territory. It is very special and it, it's largely undeveloped. And uh, there is what's left of somewhat of a wilderness character uh, to much of it. And um, for instance, if you look at a uh, map of light pollution uh, in the Northeast, you'll see uh, at night, you'll see a huge dark spot, a black spot that has no light in it at all. And it's surrounded by lights in all the cities. And, and that's the North Main woods. And that's the area where this power line would be, would be uh, coming through. So uh, although it doesn't specifically and directly um, cross any of our tribe's lands, uh, you know, it does have uh, an impact in lands that members of our tribe and, and many other people, uh, you know, use to gather uh, you know, fish and, and wildlife and, and to uh, gather their sustenance. And so it, you know, this cutting this big swath through the North Main woods, is going to have a, a, you know, a devastating impact on the local ecological character. But one of the things, Glenn, I think the thing that really kind of got me uh, really going on this project was the fact that uh, down here in Maine, in, uh, you know, I, I'd say 95 or more percent of the media attention, uh, there's never a mention of the tremendous negative impacts uh, to our indigenous neighbors uh, to the north, uh, the, the Innu in, in Canada, in in uh, Quebec and in Labrador have uh, suffered tremendously uh, by the massive building of these dams by Hydro-Quebec with uh, virtually no consultation uh, or no compensation. And uh, it was just, it just blew me away that we just didn't hear about that. 
And I knew about it from working with the Cree previously, and I certainly know what uh, massive hydro development uh, has done to our reservation uh, here in Maine in the past. And so uh, we kind of reached out and started having some communication with, particularly with the Innu in in Labrador and Chief Rich. And um, we hooked up our our tribal chief, Chief Kirk Francis at Penobscot uh, with Chief Rich up there to, um, uh, in Labrador. And um, so they started working together and uh, I believe they they still are. There's there's ongoing um, collaboration on uh, fighting this project. And tell us, uh, and, and tell us about the state of uh, things in uh, in Maine right now. Um, the uh, there is a it's in in Maine. Of course, it's a big political issue that will, I guess, uh, culminate in that referendum in November, where people will vote. Uh, on whether they agree with the project going ahead or not. Yeah, it is. It's a. It's one of the largest controversial natural resource or slash energy projects that I've seen in in a long time. And we've had some good ones. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, you're right. This is a huge project, and you know the company is spending so so much money on their. This is Hydro Quebec. Hydro Quebec. It's it's, you know, it's it's really bringing up an issue of foreign influence in our political process uh, here uh, in Maine and in the United States, and I think that's becoming an issue. And I think there may be some legislation pending to try to get at some of that uh, problem, that problem of you know foreign influence. And, and how do you, what's your sense of public opinion in Maine? How do you think the referendum will, will go in November? I think that the folks that are against this project have done a tremendous job educating the public and building support uh, for this. Uh, you know, this is a 53-mile uh, corridor of unbroken uh, woods, Maine woods, and there's many, many, many people that are fighting to keep it that way. And so uh, I've seen so much support in many different um, uh, quarters uh, for fighting, you know, for fighting this project. So I'm, I'm very hopeful, uh, Glenn, that um, the people of Maine will disapprove this, this project. What do you have uh, planned uh, uh, in the near future to, uh, to work with the, the Inu on this issue? Well, we, you know, we continue to work with, with them in the, in the media and continue to try to get the word out. And uh, there was uh, some letters that went back and forth between our respective tribal chiefs and the heads of state of the two countries. Our, our uh, tribal chief, Kirk Francis, drafted up a letter to the premier in Canada uh, Trudeau, Trudeau, I believe, is, is the guy. Yes, Prime Minister uh, Justin Trudeau, Trudeau yes. Justin mm-hmm. Trudeau, and likewise, the, uh, the chief, chief uh, Rich of the Innu wrote a letter to the new president in the United States, Biden. And so we're thinking that uh, 
you know, this is a, a new administration for President Biden, so it's probably filtering down through uh, his people. And um, I'm hoping there'll be some follow-up to that uh, fairly soon. John Banks, Director of Natural Resources for the Penobscot Nation. We also spoke with Becky Bartoviks of Sierra Club, Maine, regarding the legal fight. Majority public opinion is running against construction of the power line, but Hydro-Quebec was able to overturn a temporary injunction and begin construction in the latter part of May. However, tree removal will have to stop in June and July to protect the long-eared bat. It's now a race against time, says Becky Barnaviks. Let's go back to uh, January of this year, where in one of his final acts, I guess as it was signing the pardons, President Trump signed a permit for this uh, development. Uh, but I understand there was a problem in terms of, uh, of lack of consultation. So why don't you begin the story there for us on the legal uh, front? Okay, um, uh, that would be with the Department of Energy and the presidential permit. Um, so there are two, two situations going on. Um, I can talk about the other one as well. But um, the Department of Energy um, issued a presidential permit, which is required whenever there is uh, commerce across the borders between the United States and Canada or in our southern border. Um, and the Department of Energy has in the past um, uh, provided a presidential permit, but when they've done that, they've they have completed an EIS, which is environmental impact statement. It's a very complete analysis of the impact uh, on the environment. Um, and um, so number one, they decided not to do that in this case. They um, did a much more shortened EA, which is an environmental assessment. Um, and um, so that's, that's part of the problem. They have always done an EIS in the past and uh, th they just decided not to do an EIS on this one. Um, and we had been advocating with them that they would. In addition, they have not provided any of the information we have been asking for under the Freedom of Information Act. Um, and so it's been very difficult for us to move forward on the, on the lawsuit that we have filed. So we filed a complaint about that. And then thirdly, they had promised in um, uh, March of 2020 um, to Senator Collins that he, they would um, have an, a set a series of public hearings on the subject. Um, and they did not provide pub the public an opportunity to make comments. So all three of those things were part of the complaint that we filed against the Department of Energy. We have asked um, the court to bring the Department of Energy's complaint in under the lawsuit that we have filed against the Army Corps of Engineers um, that we have done in um, concert with the um, Natural Resources Council of Maine and the, um, the uh, Appalachian Mountain Club. Um, and uh, the three, these three groups have gotten together to do that. And we agreed also to, to um, file the complaint against the Department of Energy. Um, this has been ongoing for some time. Um, we um, 
the apart the uh, Army Corps of Engineers is a, has been long a longer process than the Department of Energy. And just explain to us why the Army Corps of Engineers, because they what is their role and why why are you going against them? So the Army Corps of Engineers is is required to, um, for some reason, long ago when the Clean Water Act and the um, National uh, National Environmental Policy Acts were in, enacted. The, the Army Corps of Engineers was uh, tasked with overseeing those two large federal bill require environmental requirements. And so they are brought in whenever there is uh, anything that impacts the waters of the United States. Mm. So, um, and this particular project has 53 miles of, and John may have told you this, John Banks may have mentioned this, but 53 miles of cutting in um, <clears throat> a very wide uh, uh, forested corridor. And mm -hmm. it's, you know, dark night sky and it's got yes. uh, links, can it, can it, uh, Canada links and um, long-eared bats and a huge number of wetlands, vernal pools, Stream and river crossing. Um, it's uh, the it's the home of the the I think the only native uh, native occurring brown trout habitat. Mm. And you know, of course, they're going to be spraying uh, uh, herbicides in the corridors. You know, in proximity to all these streams and wetlands. And so, you know, the the amount of damage is enormous. Mm. So um, you so, you got this permit and legal action follows. And what is the state now? Uh, what is the state of play? Is 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 development going on? Are trees being cut down? Is work going on at this time? So we had an injunction that we you know when they started to to uh, when they were about to cut in November, we filed an injunction, an emergency injunction, that um, we were able to hold off until last week when the original injunction we had appealed the original court denied the injunction and then we appealed it and the appellate court um gave us uh, you know a window of injunction until uh the original court would find against it and uh, they last week decided to lift the injunction so they are now cutting in the corridor and I have differing opinions from different people as to whether they can get through the 53 miles um, in two weeks, because mm. as June 1st, they will have to stop because the long eared bat babies will be present from June 1st until the end of July. So they'll have another two month hiatus um, before continuing to cut. And I am sure they are madly cutting. I'm, I live on the other side of the state, so I can't be there, but I've seen some pictures. Mm. Um, so they are, they are cutting. Mm. Now, meanwhile, uh, there's a referendum scheduled for right. November, November, November 2nd. Right. Um, and um, I see from the news coverage that more people in the state are opposed than in favor. Uh, so I, I suppose you're, you're in a, um, a race against time uh, between Absolutely. now and November to see uh, what happens between now and then. Absolutely. I mean, the cutting, the damage, I mean, these trees will not grow up in the rest of my lifetime and they will certainly not grow up in the rest of the lifetime. I mean, they will never be as big a trees as they are right now. So the damage as soon as they cut is being done, but the corridor, you know, has other major issues, you know, about it, not the least of which is the damage, damage that's happening in Canada. 
And, um, you know, the mega dam energy, I mean, we've, we've been in touch with folks in Labrador and, you know, also, um, you know, others, uh, you know, finding out exactly what's happened in their communities. And it's, it's just horrifying that the Massachusetts clean energy bill that, you know, that they included mega dams in their renewable portfolio standard, that that should be you know, based on Canadian destroying the Canadian boreal forest and the people who live there. It's it's the green the green lie about hydropower. It's a huge lie, and yes. you know we can't have anything like that in the United States. We do not allow um, hydropower to that to that size in the United States. So why are we going outside of the United States to get power that's generated that way? And it's very hard to make this argument. Because people think, oh, rain falls and it creates, you know, rivers and then you can dam them up and make power and it doesn't do any damage. I mean, they just don't even think about the thermal changes, the, you know, scouring of the rivers, all that sort of thing. There is a state lawsuit that has not been completed because the um, the land use planning commission uh, leased the land or actually, yeah, I think it's a, or the Bureau of Public Lands leased uh, two acres, uh, I think it's two acres, um, to the central main power uh, to do, uh, to put power lines across some public lands. And that's supposed to receive a um, approval by two thirds of the state legislature and they never went to the legislature for that. So there's a lawsuit about that that has not been completed. Now that's an in-state lawsuit. And then our lawsuit, we will continue to struggle with them or fight with them because they did not comply with the Clean Water Act. So, um, and so uh, the Army Corps did not. And um, it's gonna be a heavy lift. Our lawsuit will be a heavy lift, but we're continuing with the lawsuit, even though we have, you know, we've had the lifting of the injunction against them. Mm. Um, you know, Is there any uh, uh, Biden administration angle here? Because I understand that when uh, President Trump was signing the, uh, the permit, uh, Biden asked him not to do it because he was in the twilight of his, uh, right. of his administration there. Uh, the, uh, the governor of Maine is a Democrat and she was opposed at a certain time, but now she's changed positions, I understand. So, no, I don't think she ever was opposed. Mm. Um, I believe that she said that she would think about, about uh, it. She never expressed her opposition. To the to the corridor. So uh, I, I think she she has stood on the side of big business every time recently. So so it's up it's up uh, to you um, on the ground in uh, Maine and your lawyers and um, and the bats the bats um, the bats right the bats. I mean it's amazing that the links didn't also do it, but um, yeah. Mm -hmm. It's amazing the vernal pools didn't do it. I, mean, I have no idea. I mean, it's like we with uh, people think we have so much water here in Maine and they forget that, you know, when you destroy the water, it doesn't come back. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, uh, I, I, I've just been stunned that at least we didn't get an environmental impact statement. Um, our Army Corps of Engineers, the you know, it's a region one Army Corps of Engineers and the local Maine um, representative Jay Clement was actually named in the lawsuit originally. And I think we've removed his name specifically, but he proudly states that he's never required an environmental impact statement. So, um, you know, we have, a, 
we're becoming kind of the trash heap of of the Northeast here. Um, and the you know Army Corps could be helping us out quite a lot. This isn't the only place where we've got some serious issues going on. Mm. Um, so, but this is a huge, this is a, I mean, there is absolutely no reason why this did not, um, did not rise to the level of an environmental impact statement because it it meets all the criteria. You know, once and, those once that area is gone, it's gone forever, really. And um, right, you I know, mean, there's, and so, a, there's so much at stake. There's a huge amount at stake. I mean, the fact is, it connects us to Canadian, you know, forests. And so, just in terms of wildlife connectors, you know, it mm-hmm. is an impediment to movement, um, which you know, in the agent exigencies of the of climate change, we've got to be doing everything we can to try to keep species alive. And, you know, this just, just shouts in the face of, of, you know, that particular issue. I, and this, as an excuse, I mean, I don't know how we get people to understand that megadams do not provide clean energy. Mm. You know, there's methane that is released every time the, you know, the water falls and algae blooms along the edges of the of the reservoirs, and then it gets filled back up. There's methane that's released. You know, it's um, you know, it's it's not cleaner. It isn't cleaner. Mm. Becky Bartovix of Sierra Club, Maine. We reached out to Hydro Quebec for a status report. Spokesperson Lynn Salaron said in an email that tree removal will stop in June and July to protect the longer bat but other types of work will proceed. And that's it for the program. Allison Baker is the producer of Big Mom Matters. Listen to Big Mom Matters wherever you get your podcasts. And please leave a review. Like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter for the latest Big Mom news and views. I'm Glenn Wheeler, Nemaltus. Nemaltus.